Welcome to Decide You Can podcast. We're two sisters on opposite sides of the world talking about our own experiences in our nine to five lives and discussing all sorts of things that keep us focused, happy and productive in our everyday lives. In this episode, we're talking about flow and how we find our flow in high and low stress situations. I introduced Susie to a quote that helps explain flow and the term comfortably edgy and we share a few practical tips on what to do when high stress leads to low production. Susie also shares with me how she's managed to combine the power of positivity and productivity. I'm Laura, I live and work in Melbourne. I'm a manager in a professional services firm and I like to impart my creative streak in unexpected places. At the moment I'm focused on spreadsheets and analytics. And I'm Susie. I live in Edinburgh and study a maths degree via distance learning whilst also working within the financial sector. I really love how busy my life is at the moment and find there's never a dull moment. Let's get started. Why don't you introduce the quote you've been thinking about this week? This week it's a quote that I found via Pinterest and it's one by someone called Kurt Vonnegut. It says, I want to stand as close to the edge as I can without going over. Out on the edge, you see all the kinds of things you can't see from the centre. How did you find that that quote spoke to you, really? What was the context for why you chose it? For me, I think when we started to think about flow, I thought about it in the sort of psychological term, in terms of being in the zone and having something to kind of keep you motivated, but not too much that you become overwhelmed. I think that quote stood out to me just because it sort of summarises a bit about this feeling of being comfortably edgy. So the first time I heard the term comfortably edgy was on the Jess Lively show. And I'll put the links to that in the show notes, but it's definitely one that resonated with me. And this quote was similar to that as well, where you don't want to be too comfortable because then you won't be motivated and you need something to keep you driven. But then you also don't want to be too on edge because that's when it leads to kind of stressful situations and reacting to your stress. So I so feel it's like finding that balance. I think that's exactly it. You don't want to be too far on one side and too far on the other. And that quote really talks to being as close to the edge as you can without going over. I think it kind of speaks to the way that I perform at my best when I've got a lot to keep me motivated and keep myself looking forward, but not so much that it's overwhelming and can be quite stressful and I guess stressful in others. Do you think that the way you work, whether it be that you're you're on the edge and you're comfortably edgy, do you think that is impacting how others are working around you and how the team you lead will function? Yeah, I definitely do. I think your stress responses and the way that you react to different situations has a huge impact on other people, probably more so than it does yourself. You understand how you work and how you deal with information, but other people working with you don't necessarily react in the same way. And I think in high performance organisations where there's always this constant focus on outputs and results, there's also that need to always appear busy all the time, which I think is quite conducive to being in quite a stressful place and, and reacting to other people's stress. So I think you just have to be conscious of when other people are stressed, is there anything that you can do to take that stress away? Or is there anything you can do to stop yourself being so exposed to that stress? How do you think about it? I guess for me, in my workplace, it, it can be a case that we're always so, so busy. And you're right, there is always that constant need to just appear busy. And it can be quite frustrating because sometimes all it takes is to talk through that particular topic. And it's difficult sometimes to have that time to just discuss something. Yeah, I think that's really true. 
In your workplace, is it quite easy for you to identify other people's stresses and when they are on edge rather than comfortably edgy? Yeah, I think you have to get to know the person as an individual before you can recognise that in their working pattern. But it is the sort of thing that you can you can understand what's going on within the team. So you can understand what might stress that particular person out. And sometimes it is just leave that person alone. So they have the time to just crack on and just get the work done. And other times it's a case of going over and having that discussion with them. So they're thinking about something totally different and can go back to their work in a much better mindset. Yeah. When you think about busyness and how busy we always try to be and try to keep ourselves, there's also this assumption that if you aren't busy, then you're not working hard enough. But I really think that I'm always more satisfied when there's less busyness and rush to my work and more productiveness. So when I've got that space to think about things and keep me motivated and know what my output and my goals are, but without the sort of constant frantic nature of the work, that's where I find flow and where I really feel like I'm able to be really productive in my day. And I think it's understanding what you need to do to be able to get yourself into that flow when it starts to feel like it's creeping towards the edgy piece. How do you find that balance and pull yourself back? What sort of coping mechanisms do you have to sort of find your flow and get into flow? Well, as I said earlier, a lot of it for me comes from discussing the topic that I find stressful with a colleague will put my mind at ease. When I know that they are so busy as well, though, I usually end up writing a list and get a kick out of just scoring things off the list. How about yourself, though? Yeah, I think lists are a huge part of my life. I am seen as super organised in my work and in my team. And people sort of come to me and work out how I do my to-do list and how I organise my thoughts. And I think part of it is having a list and also being grateful for the things that you've already done to take you to a certain point. So I have my to-do list, but I always put on my to-do list things that I've already done. So I write one or two different things that I've already done. There's a satisfaction in scoring them off instantly. And I feel that keeps me more productive. It is a sneaky technique, but it's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's also, it moves on to when you actually start putting things in in a list and organizing your thoughts that way. It takes it out of your head and it stops you overthinking things because it's written down. Another coping mechanism for me is just really being present in what I'm doing. So not getting distracted by too many other things and just concentrating on one thing at a time. I suppose for me, it's quite a good thing to appreciate for others as well, how stressed out they are and what their techniques might be. It's quite often that if a colleague is getting stressed out and needs to discuss the situation, I can listen to them and actually go back to my own work with a new mindset. And so you, like that coping mechanism isn't really something I choose to use myself, but it's helping someone else. And then it, as a result, it will help me. I like that you're thinking about other people's coping mechanisms and working out whether they could be applicable to you. I know that within my team, we all work very, very differently. But I think I've got to know the team well enough to know what their coping mechanisms or even their stress responses are. Some people might internalise everything and want to work things through themselves, but other people want to talk it out and really make sure that they're almost over-questioning things just to make sure that they're right and that they're not wasting time on things that they didn't need to be. So I think when those behaviours start to sneak through and they seem a little different to their usual working styles, it's good to address that quickly and maybe just allow somebody that opportunity to talk something out or write a list 
and be in a better headspace to be more productive and get back into their flow. I think another coping mechanism for it is definitely sleep and actually prioritising sleep and the value of getting a good night's sleep and how much effect that has on your brain and just your general well-being and mental state. I would definitely agree, but I don't think I prioritise it well enough at any point. (laughs) I think it's very easy to feel like you're too busy and you want to achieve loads before you can go to bed. Sometimes things are just kind of running through your head too much. I think being able to write a list or write it down and just kind of park it, get some sleep and then in the morning you can look at your list and go, well, it's no longer in my head, it's on this piece of paper now. So Susie, do you have an example of a stressful situation that you've managed to work through and go from a place where you were either comfortable or edgy and find a place where you were in flow and comfortably edgy? Yeah, I guess in my last role, I had a a bad habit of talking through these different situations that I found stressful, but I approached it in a negative way and was reminded of reviewing how I approach these situations. But it was a case that no matter how I was approaching it, just talking it through with someone and getting like frustrations out of the way or something like that, you get to focus on the actual important point of it. But it was interesting when I came to my new role and because it was a new team, I didn't know who to approach and was so reminded that I had been approaching people in maybe not the best way. So it ended up that I was just writing lists and trying to get through my work by ticking off a list. It occurred to me it was a totally different way of approaching the situation, but it was just as effective. I think I'm now at the stage that I could go back to talking through a situation and really understanding the situation better, but they're certainly advising me on how to approach them in a more constructive way. <laughs> yeah, I think when you're able to talk things through and you've got that honest feedback of actually you're, you're maybe not approaching this in a positive way and you're using it to moan and vent rather than sound something out and be solutions focused. When you get that feedback, you suddenly start to think a little bit differently about things. And I think not having that outlet in the same way, you've had to find another coping mechanism. So how about yourself? Do you have any examples in your job? Yeah, I really do. It goes back to what I was saying earlier about us working in high performance organisations and there's always this focus on outputs. My direct team that I was working with recently were quite understaffed and we were in this place where we definitely didn't have enough staff to be able to do the job to the best of our ability. And I think our coping mechanism was a combination of me being able to write lists and do that to get my personal goals done and cope personally. But we also had the accountability of getting the rest of the team through it. So we use that mechanism of talking it through and being each other's sounding boards and really concentrating on one thing at a time. So as an example, every single day we would have a 10 to 15 minute meeting first thing in the morning to really discuss what it was that we were doing and what we wanted to get out of the day. And the next day we would be able to sort of rebase and reprioritize as we felt like we needed. And I think that really helped us all find flow and work out whether there was any more attention that we needed to be giving to somebody to ensure that they weren't too on edge and that they were coming back into that place of flow. Just when you were explaining that one there, I can see when my colleague has come to me with that exact approach and got the group together and just tried to work out where you're at. Earlier on, we were 
talking about both of us using lists as a way that we organize our thoughts. And I guess I'd said that when I make a list, I always tend to put a couple of things that I've already done on that list to keep me focused on where I've come from. And it gives me a chance to score things off already and feel like I'm mid-flow rather than just beginning You'd mentioned that you are talking things through with other people, but not necessarily in the most positive of headspaces. Do you have examples of when you have been that positive frame of mind and how you've managed to find flow in a more positive way? Yeah, I guess for myself, it was through doing my Instagram project. So I did the 100 Days of Happiness. I had completed one last year and it occurred to me that if you can come home and be like, that was a really great day, rather than just going, I did it, you know, that's a big change and it's a big difference. It definitely did change how I was approaching every single day because you have to look for that one thing that's going to make you happy. And it can be something really small and then other days it's something huge. And you just have to make sure for, it's usually about the first 20 days and you just have to remind yourself to take a photo but it's just recognising what has made you happy today. And I guess for me, that was the challenge and just making sure I appreciated that every day. I love the power of positive thinking and how it really can change your mindset. I do hope that the, the project had an impact on others as well. So every day when I was putting up these photos of what made me happy, I'd like to think that it made them a little happier as well to just recognise these things. Yeah, it definitely did for me. When I think about flow and when I'm in flow, I find that I'm most productive pretty early on in the morning. I find that it doesn't take me much to get up and be able to find flow at work earlier in the day. Do you have a particular time that really works for you where you feel like you're at your most productive? I think that was a really interesting question, actually, because I'm the total opposite from you. I am so productive in my my late afternoon and into my evenings. It's probably a result of when I come home, I study and I have to get into that pattern of working and then coming home to study for my course. But I am definitely more productive late afternoon and just want to get things done then and make sure I've had a good day. And that's usually the time that I'll get that done. I'm known for being that person that comes in later and stays later and they never expect me in before like half eight, definitely. (laughs) I think it's good that other people in your team are able to identify that as well so that they don't expect you in too early and expect you to be too productive too early on. I find that if I go in earlier and finish sort of on time, it makes me feel more productive. I find that if I have to work late, I get to the point where I just really don't feel productive and I have to call it at a certain point and walk away because I know that I'm not really achieving anything by just sitting there doing something that I could be doing better first thing in the morning. It's good to know that I can be productive in my afternoon and just head home and be as productive doing something else. Yeah, I think it's really important when you're trying to balance work and study that you really understand when you find your flow to allow you to make the most of when you're at work and also make the most of your study time. And that concludes our podcast episode. It's been really interesting hearing what Laura's had to say about flow and striving to find the balance between being too comfortable and too edgy. It's a concept I've just been introduced to, so it is interesting to consider how I work in that environment. I may be considering a different approach to how I deal with these stressful situations. 
I've really enjoyed hearing Susie's coping mechanisms in terms of dealing with stress and trying to get back into this place of flow. From making lists to talking things out to just taking one thing at a time, it's really important that you can bring all of those things together and find out what works for you and how to find your own flow. Thanks for listening to this Decide You Can podcast. If you have any suggestions or comments, feel free to tweet us at Decide You Can and we look forward to chatting again soon. From myself and Susie, bye. Bye.